0: Thanks for supporting companies that support this podcast. Hey guys, it's Judy from Nutrition with Judy. Thanks for joining me today. My name is Judy Cho and I am board certified in holistic nutrition. I focus on root cause healing and oftentimes that's using a meat-based elimination diet to do some gut healing. While you're here, please make sure to subscribe, hit the bell, and like this video. And on Apple Podcasts, please make sure to leave five stars and a review. This helps my content to get in front of more people. So thank you for that. Okay, so I know that I always start these episodes saying that I'm so excited, but I'm really excited about this interview. So my guest, Yvonne Kohler, was the co-host of the MFCEO podcast. And that podcast is really important to me because... When I was struggling with finishing the Carnivore Cure book, or I had some days that were hard on social media, I know first world problems, or I was just struggling. My husband introduced me to this podcast and said, listen to it because sometimes they just give you the motivation you need. And so I would listen to Andy and Vaughn talk about ways that you can get through hard days and hardships. And it just made me move forward every single day. And as we talk about in this podcast, you'll hear about how sometimes it's just about execution and doing daily tasks instead of focusing on I'm good or I'm bad or I'm strong or I'm not. And it's such a powerful conversation. So Von Kohler, Von Kohler is a writer, speaker, and he's a consultant who currently lives in Manhattan, Kansas. From 2015 to 2019, he served as the co-host of the MFCEO Project and it was one of the top-rated business and success podcasts in the world. I think it was number one for a long time on Apple Podcasts, and he co-hosted it with Andy Frisella. Vaughn and Andy also co-wrote children's books. The series is called Otis and Charlie, and it helps children to learn about values, mindset, grit from a very young age. Vaughn is the author of Sacred Drive, Biblical Principles for Pursuing Your God-Given Potential, And he also is the lead for a community program called Empowered Fellowship. And he also does one-on-one coaching. As you hear our podcast, you'll hear how much he's a seasoned inspiration and motivational speaker. And the truth is that he's just lying on the foundations of truth. I hope that this interview shares a lot of tactical ways that you can just heal and be successful in this world. Uh, Let's get right into this interview. Hi, Vaughn. Thank you so much for joining me. As I was telling you, I've been a big fan for the longest time. Your uh, podcast with Andrew Frisella helped me to motivate myself as I started this business, finding purpose in my life. And it's been a huge motivation. And I really just wanted to have you come on and share your inspiration and your story with my community. So For the people that don't know you or haven't heard you on that podcast and all your other work, if you can introduce yourself.
1: Sure. But let me start by just saying thank you, Judy. I really appreciate it. I never get tired of hearing that people listen to the MFCO Project. I'd never get tired of hearing about the impact on your life. So thank you for sharing that. And uh, thank you for sharing just your audience with me. I I, I really appreciate it. So my name is Vaughn Kohler. And I think probably the most important thing about me, at, at the risk of sounding cheesy, is that I am a recipient of the limitless love and grace of God. And so that's the first thing I want to tell everybody. But uh, aside from that, I'm a husband of a great wife, Kasha, and I have four little girls And I've got one more on the way. We don't know if it's a girl or boy yet, but one more on the way in August. So we're excited about expanding our family. But I am basically a, well, I have a day job, quote unquote. You know, I'm a marketing and development consultant, but I'm also an author and a speaker and a a faith-based coach. And I like to tell everybody that my goal, my mission in life is to help people pursue their God-given potential, not just for their own gain, but for the glory of God and the good of the world and so any way that i can help people make the most of their life in a way that is not just you know serving themselves but serving okay. others and serving the great plan of god that that's what i'm all about
0: that's amazing and we'll get a lot more into that but you know talking a little bit about msceo podcast it's one of the most popular podcast, and you were the co-host with Andy Frisella. What was that like? How was it interviewing all these people that are inspirational?
1: <laughs> it was surreal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, never in a million years, when I left the pastorate, uh, did I think that I would end up the co-host of a, you know, what was for many weeks the number one business and success podcast in America on iTunes or I guess they're calling it Apple Podcast now, but uh, no, it was surreal and it was was challenging and it was wonderful. As you can expect, if if anyone's familiar with Andy Frisella and with the MFCO Project or with his current podcast, Real AF, Andy is a very intense, driven, ambitious guy who has very, very high standards. And so, you know, when I first started working with him, I mean, he doesn't accept anything less than your best. And he's not shy about telling it, telling you that when he doesn't think that you're giving your best. And so that sense, it was very challenging, very stretching. You know, like most people, discipline doesn't come easy to me. Excellence doesn't come easy to me. High standards is not my natural bent. I, I have to be pushed, and and he definitely pushed me. And there were times, I'll be honest, early on, that I was like, man, this guy is so intense. I should just quit. But there was a there was an aha moment s- several months into working with Andy, where I realized, I'm like, man. He's so intense, but you know, pardon the expression, I think I've come to conc- the conclusion that he, uh, he likes to kick people in the ass because he cares, right. because he cares. And, uh, and so I realized that he was really driving me and pushing me because he cared and because he wanted me to become the best version of myself. And so my time with Andy was, uh, was really a time, well, I mean, I'm still working with him on some level, but it's, it's, it was a time of incredible growth incredible maturity. I added experiences and expertise that I never would have had. I developed gifts and cultivated talents that I never would have cultivated if I wouldn't have worked with Andy. And so that was the challenging part. But the other part of that, it was it was just fun. You know, it was fun to be part of a podcast, to have these great conversations with Andy about business and entrepreneurship and personal development, everything from sales to, to how to overcome procrastination. And so it was really just a huge learning experience for me and course, we got to meet people like Jocko and Ed Milette and just a host of other people that that, uh, are just on the highest level in their respective professions and and fields. And I'm not going to lie. I'm not someone who's just the way that I'm oriented. I'm not someone who's real enamored by things or materialism and that kind of thing. But it was cool to be around some, you know, fast cars and flying jets and stuff. That was kind of fun. And so I enjoyed that. That was the surreal part. But I'm just more than anything, I'm just overwhelmed that the experience uh, that God brought that into my life. And and that's part of my my story now. And so I'm just full of gratitude for it.
0: Yeah, I can't even imagine how much uh, work went into the podcast. And you can, like you said, if you listen to even one episode of Andy Frisella, he has a lot of passion and it, it pumps you up on days when I feel demotivated. I would just turn you guys on and listen to, and even if it had nothing to do with what's going on in my life, it was motivating that even if it's hard push through it and just mm-hmm. keep going. And And so from all the people, the time working with him and the people you interviewed are some of the things that the attributes, the traits that made people that... Maybe they didn't have the best luck in life, but that were able to be successful. Like, what is the keys to be successful with some of these people?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And I I think three things immediately come to my mind. One is that all these successful people that I encountered, it wasn't just that they were attempting great things. They knew why they were attempting great things. When they visualized what they wanted to do, they connected it to a reason. So they didn't just try to run a marathon for the sake of running a marathon. They wanted to run a marathon for for some reason that was personally important to them. And I think, you know, it's gotten somewhat cliché at this point, you know, with Simon Sinek's, you know, find your why, but it's true. It really is. And I think a lot of times when people struggle, it's because they don't really know why they're doing what they're doing and they haven't taken the time to really evaluate their motives. And you know, one of the things that Andy always says is, is he says, you know, when when successful people are pursuing something really huge and something daunting and challenging and, and that takes a lot of work, they focus on what they're gonna gain, not what they're giving up, not what they're sacrificing. So when he he always uses the example of, you know, when people go on a diet. He said, the people who fail are the people who think, oh, man, I can't believe I'm not going to be able to eat pizza or apple pie or or a, a malt. Right. He said, the people who are successful focus on, man, I'm going to look good. I'm going to feel good. I'm going to gain so much. So my experience is that the people who are successful just always connected with the motives, the positive motives for why they're doing things. The second thing that really comes to my mind, and, and in some ways, this is like the number one thing. And that is that all these successful people truly believe in the effectiveness of action. Mm -hmm. Andy always says, you know, success is not magic. You know, it's an equation. Do the work, get the results. I remember talking early on to uh, Ben Newman, the great performance coach who works with Alabama football, all these elite executives and uh, entrepreneurs. And I remember asking him, I said, Ben, you know, you... You were on stage at some of these really, truly amazing places and people pay you a lot of money. And I remember saying to him, you know, I'd like to I'd like to have a career as a speaker. How do you go from not speaking at all to go to, to people inviting you to these, you know, these great conferences and platforms? And I'll I'll never forget. He looked at me and said, Vaughn, it's a numbers game. Mm-hmm. He said, when I started out, I just committed to I was going to send out 50 emails a day telling people about who I was, what I spoke about, what I offer. And I just did that again and again and again. And he goes, eventually somebody said, okay, we'll give them a shot. And when they gave me a shot, I delivered in a massive way. And they went and told other people. And he said, so it's a numbers game. It's just taking repeated action again and again and again. And in my opinion, that's what, that's what, I don't think successful people are the smartest people. I don't think they're the most talented people. They're people of action. There are people who believe that if you do the work, you're going to get the results. The third thing that I would say, they're just not afraid to take risks. They're not afraid to, to push them themselves beyond their comfort zone to intentionally do hard things. Again, I, I feel like I'm constantly quoting Andy, but I, I come back to something he said in an early episode of the MFCO project. He said, successful people are not afraid to look stupid in the process of learning something. He always says, you have to be bad before you're a badass. You know, you have to be bad at something before you're really good at it. And he said, most people just don't have the humility or the patience to bear with themselves as they're in the process of learning as a, because they think, oh, you know, I'm starting to play the guitar and I'm so terrible. And so they just quit. Successful people say, hey, it's all part of the process attack the process, get better and better until you're really good at something until you're not just good. You're the best at something. So those three things, I think really connecting to your positive motivation, the belief in action, belief in work, and then, and I would say a willingness to step out risk and look stupid. Those are the three things that came up again and again.
0: That's really powerful. Um, my, My community, a lot of them are, some of them are practitioners in the health space, but then a lot of them are just trying to get their health back. And oftentimes, So a lot of the things you're mentioning, maybe their why is not strong enough. Maybe it's just, I want to look good in the summer in a bikini and it's not a Mm -hmm. motivating enough factor to really get you to health when the days get hard to eat on plan. And then some people in the moment, it's just a lot of times they feel imposter syndrome. So they're just going to always put their face best face forward, if they're like an influencer, and they're sharing about a diet, and there's a hiccup, they're afraid to share, well, this was actually hard. So I'm just going to keep sharing that it's the perfect diet, when in reality, they're struggling. And so I think it provides a lot of respect. And when you're genuinely vulnerable, not just vulnerable, because it's cool these days, being super open and sharing, so that you're offering something to other people that can be of service. And I think all of these things are so important. And I'm really glad you brought it up. One thing that on one of your podcasts, you guys started talking about 75 hard, I did the thing that probably Andrew Frisella would hate the most, and I adopted it to be carnivore 75 hard. Um, And I know it's like the biggest faux pas for him. But everything I gave him credit, I always, you know, recommended his podcast, he's in my book, all of that stuff, because it changed my life. And Mm -hmm you know, I know you're doing 75 hard now. So can you talk a little bit about what is it about 75 hard that you know, taking the picture drinking the water doing the exercise, finding the diet that works for you? What are these things that a time after time after 75 days, like what is it that makes people change their life and for the better?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And I will tell you that at the time that we are recording this, I am on day 75.
0: Oh, oh, that's amazing. Yeah. So uh,
1: uh, barring the absolute unforeseen, I should be finishing today. So, uh, so far, so good. I've got everything uh, covered so far, according to plan. So I, I, I think I'm good. My experience of 75 hard. And I, I don't know how to say this without sound, sounding somewhat, I don't know, prideful. But when I started 75 hard, I wasn't really out of shape. I was already in pretty decent shape. Now, I'm not saying I'm in peak performance, but like I wasn't overweight, you know, and, and I'm I'm just a body style wise. I'm just not someone who tends to get super fat, you know. So 75 hard hasn't really been a physical transformation for me in the extreme that a lot of people have, have experienced. You experience, you know, just amazing transformations. I have to be honest, Judy, part of me was kind of embarrassed by that. Like part of me was like, well, I mean, I look leaner and no question, but I don't look like that guy who went from marshmallow to chiseled rock, you know? And so I felt kind of negative about that, but realize, but the, then I realized that, you know, Andy says again and again, this isn't primarily a physical transformation. It's a mental transformation. And for me, one of the things that has been so good for me for going through 75 hard is just Building that commitment to consistency on a high level without compromise, without deviation, doing something again and again and again, whether we feel like it or not. And as much as I, you know, I hate to admit this, a lot of my life, I've kind of skated on talent. I've skated on just, you know, I'm a decently bright human being with some talent. And so I've been able to get some success with that. And as I get older, and especially as I was, you know, exposed to Andy, I realized that and I realized I was like, man. You know what Andy says about you know uh, success is the pursuit of your full potential, mm-hmm. not what you've done, but what you could do. And you know, on seventy five hard, what I've realized, it's you know I'm kind of relearning this, and it's kind of being driven into my my head a lot, uh, is that I I'm capable of so much more. And if if and and it has nothing to do with talent, it has nothing to do with intelligence. It has to do with execution. Mm-hmm. And 75 hard has, has forced me to execute whether I feel like it or not again and again and again on a high level, because if I don't disqualified and I have to start over from the beginning. So I think that is kind of going back to what I was saying about what, what Ben Newman said about a numbers game. That to me is the genius of, of 75 hard. It's not super complicated. It is something that just requires that you show up again and again and again and again, uh, and without compromise without deviation for an extended period of time and so that has been just invaluable to me and this is another genius of the program even with people who start the program on a certain level of discipline <clears throat> no matter how big your muscle is 75 hard is going to make your muscle bigger metaphorically speaking and so that's what it did for me is that I, yeah i had a certain level of of discipline but it made it bigger and it stretched me. So for me, that that's the genius of the program, just the sheer teaching you sheer dogged determination and the willingness to repeat things over and over and over again, you know, and it sounds so unsexy, you know, it sounds so lunch pale, just, you know, blue collar, but to me, that's, that's what it is. It's, it's, uh, teaching you tenacity.
0: And in the nutrition space, the biggest struggle is consistency, right? So people Mm -hmm. go from diet to diet or supplement to supplement, drink to drink, whatever it may be. And they say they always blame that that wasn't working, but at a certain point, it's the consistency aspect, but a lot of people say it's hard. It's hard to stay consistent. There's real life, there's holidays, there's birthdays. So how have you seen, whether it's the guests on the show, whether in your own life, what are some of the traits, like on the days that were hard for you in the 75, and I'm guessing there were some, like, how did you keep going?
1: Yeah. Well, here's what I, here's what I think. So I'll use an example of something I experienced when I was a pastor. A lot of times somebody would come to you as a pastor and by their own admission, their, their life was a train wreck, you know, just a dumpster fire problems in every area of their life. But what was really interesting, Judy, is that they would sit down with you in their office. And here you are, the guy that they're supposedly coming to for help. And they're telling me what to tell them in terms of how to help them. Like I'm literally sitting in, in, a, in a counseling session with somebody and they're saying, well, I really think I need to do this. Don't you think I need to do this, Pastor? And I always want to say, OK, you came to me for guidance. And yet you are insisting on continuing to do things your way. So if you want to take my advice, great. But if not, keep on doing what you're doing and tell me how that works out for you. Well, so what I've found in for those who are successful in 75 hard is they come to the the program and they say, "Okay, I trust the program. I'm not going to come to the program and try to second guess it. I'm not going to come to the program and think I know better than the program I'm going to trust the program and I'm going to execute the program. Like Andy told me to execute it. And if I do that, I'm going to get results. And that's so me. So that's where, what it came down to for me, the the times that I wanted to quit, I really ultimately, you know, the the little voice in the head that once you get to quit, it's always saying, you know what, I I got a better way to do this. Or I, I, you know, you've learned your lesson, you can stop and do something else. And that's where I had to kind of step out in faith and say, no, I trust the program. I see that it's changed a lot of people's lives. I've seen that it's produced results. So I'm not going to irrationally change it or tweak it or make it different. And by the way, what you're doing, I think is, is basically just has to do with the diet, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that doesn't, that doesn't alter the, the core tenets of the, of the program. And so that's, but what I'm talking about people who say, you know, you get on You know, day 27, and then you say, okay, well, now I can completely fundamentally shift this up to, you know, different critical tasks, different guidelines. Well, no, it's not going to work if you do that. So there's got to be a lot of uh, faith in the program. And I think the people who succeed humble themselves and they say, objectively, I know this program works. So I'm going to trust it and I'm going to do it.
0: And then on the days that it's hard, they just motivate themselves that way. Just get your shoes on and go outside.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I I think I think that's that's what it is, is that you just say, listen, I don't have to be emotionally engaged with this. I don't have to want to do this. I just need to on some intellectual level. I have to trust the program. And so this just popped into my head. My dad had a very good friend who was a pilot and he was what's called an instrument rated pilot. And so an instrument rated pilot, you know, is someone who can fly a plane, even when there's no visual, you know, cause it's too cloudy or there's a storm or whatever. And when this guy was trained to be an instrument rated pilot, his trainer said, Bob, there's going to be a time in your life where you're not going to have any visual land. You're not going to be able to see because there's going to be such a great storm or the weather's going to be so crazy. And he said, in every part of you, will make you feel like you're upside down. But if your instruments say that you're right side up, trust your instruments. No matter how much your instinct tells you, no, 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 I, I I feel like I'm upside down. Trust your instruments. Well, sure enough, one day he flies into massively bad weather. He's got to land the plane with no visuals, right? He's talking to the tower and he feels like he's upside down. And every part of him says, I think I'm upside down. And he hears his instructor say, trust your instruments, trust your instruments. And so he ends up landing safely because he trusted his instruments and he landed at a small airport in a rural area. And this is this crazy story. He said that when he landed, the air traffic controller guy came, was walking out to his plane and he had tears in his eyes and he, and and he said I'll be honest with you every situation that we've had like the one that you ju- were just in the pilot crashes oh. and he said what did you dif- do different he said I trusted my instruments I didn't rely on my personal gut instinct I trusted my instruments and the guy said you did the right thing cuz most people don't do that and so that's what I would say with the program Is that you feel like, ah, I don't want to do this. Is this worthless? Is this, is this worth the effort? Forget your feelings. Forget what, you know, how you perceive, trust the program and finish it. And, and if you do, good things are going to result.
0: Do you think that a, doing it with somebody like community is a huge aspect in showing success? And it, it could be other than the program, but let's say just sticking to a diet. Do you think just when you get started saying, hey, I'll do it with my partner, do you think that makes more success than just doing it alone? I know you're doing it alone, right? But
1: yeah, absolutely. And I, th- I think there's pros and cons to either. But, you know, I would definitely encourage people to do it in a group. No question, and there is a official seventy five hard. I think Facebook group where people kind of keep each other accountable. To me, okay. that's not the same as if you have a local group you're doing it with. But I mean, I think there's no shame in getting encouragement from another person. And then I'm I'm just a I'm just a firm believer that you know human beings we're we're not intended to be islands in the in in the ocean by ourselves. We're intended to be in relationship with other human beings, and so. No, I think I think being in a group is a great thing. I think it's a great accountability. There's great social pressure, I guess, in a positive way to to complete your tasks and to keep on going. So no, and and the truth is I think even doing it in a group shows a certain level of mental toughness that you're willing to put yourself out there publicly for this. Because if you do it by yourself and you fail, it's like nobody really knows, right? But if you fail In a group, then, then there, you know, there's more of a humbling that takes place. So yeah, I I would for sure encourage people to do this in a community.
0: Yeah, I saw this statistic where if people started a weight loss journey, and they started sharing it on social media, even if they don't have a big following, that the success rate is skyrocket higher, because when you're putting it out there and sharing your day-to-day updates, it just forces you to be accountable because you know, people are watching you. People are waiting for it. And, and then it makes, I think the percentage was like 70 to 80% more successful. Like if you had a new year's resolution. So it's pretty powerful and I'm sure there can be negatives to it too, but, and I think everyone should figure out what makes sense for them. But what about the people that are not even considering doing challenges program life changes that you're just in a rut you know obviously this pandemic has made a lot more people struggle with mental health issues even if they're Mm -hmm. not aware of it how do you get out of that how do you just start saying a lot of people will say at the end of the night tomorrow is going to be a new day tomorrow i'm going to eat healthy tomorrow i'm going to go for the walk and then the day repeats itself and it's the same thing and then time flies and i mean just like this pandemic it's been here for two years how do you get out of that and like what have you seen to be successful
1: yeah well i about a two years ago, I was in a rut. And, uh, you know, I went, it was funny, because at the time, I was, I was traveling fairly, fairly frequently to go see Andy. And, you know, we've, we've worked together for a while. And I, he kind of knows me, and he's, he can sense things. And he's like, hey, you doing okay? And I go, yeah, dude, I'm, I said, I'm in a rut, and I'm in a funk. And I remember this, because we went into, we, First Form has this beautiful new headquarters, and they've got this auditorium. And there's a big whiteboard. And this is probably the best motivational speech Andy ever gave me personally. But he's like, hey, man, you're like everybody. Okay. When you're flying high and crushing your goals, you think you're amazing. You know, you think you're like the king of the world. And, and he said, and when you kind of fall into failure, you really pile on yourself mentally, you start beating yourself up, you're like, Oh, I'm just a piece of crap. And, and, you know, I can't do anything. I can't believe I'm failing again. It's like the reality is is when you were riding high you weren't the king of the world you weren't some elite guy who was untouchable you were simply doing the things that produce success and when you fell into a funk you just stopped doing those things so instead of trying to convince yourself that you're either the king of the world or you're you're you know a loser just think back about what you were doing when life was going well when it was successful and start doing those things again and just Focus on the the one day. And and he goes, and maybe you're not going to get all those habits back immediately, but maybe you start one, maybe one of the things you were doing when you were successful is that you were hydrating. you were doing a really good job of drinking water. Start with that and start establishing momentum by, by, by adding that one habit back into your life. And then once you get a little bit of momentum for that, add another habit back into your life and another habit. And I think to me, I like that incremental approach because the next thing you know, You're you're engaging all the habits that made life productive and successful and happy for you. And and the emphasis wasn't on you. It was just on the actions that you were taking. And I do think to me, that was incredible advice because I got so in my own head trying to convince myself that, you know, oh, maybe I'm not a loser or maybe I am. Just get out of your head. Don't even have that debate with yourself and just start completing some critical tasks, starting up some habits that, that you did when life was still you know more productive and successful for you. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. So what I'm gathering is at night when everyone's doing a lot of the planning for the next day, instead of thinking tomorrow I'm going to win the day or something like that, instead maybe write down the tasks of when I was feeling better. Like what were some things I did in my day-to-day that maybe I can bring back that I'm not doing. And maybe it's hydrating. Maybe it's going for a short walk. Maybe it's just cleaning your desk, right? It's just these simple things and then start small. And once those things become a habit that you do without really thinking, then you add on to it. And then just if you bring back a lot of the actions that may be missing from your past, then the actions will warrant likely that you'll feel like you're the king of the world again.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have a a friend named Alex Pike and she she lives in Australia. When she was younger, she was one of the top models in Australia and and she kind of lost her sense of herself. And she, you can imagine top model in Australia. She's kind of part of the high society. There's a lot of partying. She got into some substance abuse and some other things and just lost her sense of herself. And, and all of a sudden she realized, she's like, this is not who I am. Right. How do I change my life? How do I change how I'm operating? And it occurred to her, she's just like, well, I'm going to do the things that the person I want to be would do. Mm-hmm. And, and she just started small. Like, so, so she, you know, be very engaging and friendly to the people in the checkout in the supermarket or wake up at a decent hour, you know, just set, set a time in early morning, six o'clock, six 30, start the day early, little things. And she said, and when I started doing the things that the kind of person I wanted to be would do, mm-hmm. eventually the transformation was really powerful and, and full-bodied. I mean, it was just crazy. And I mean, it, it kind of goes back to that really well-known saying, so a thought, reap a, action. So an action reap a habit. So a habit reap a character. So a character reap a destiny. There is so much power in just a little action so that I would tell people, you know, pick a couple things that you just want to reintroduce into your life and start doing them. And, uh, and if you do that, that, that tends to snowball in a good way.
0: Right. That's so powerful. So, I mean, I, I kind of, Already imagine your answer to this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Do you think, you know, like there's obviously like the Andes in the world and then your friend in Australia, but do you think certain people are just wired to have more tenacity, that they're more driven? Or is it something that just from a younger age, maybe they just kept working at it? Do you think Mm -hmm. certain people are just wired to be more action oriented in their lives?
1: Well, I definitely think that there are different personalities Mm -hmm. in the sense of some people are just more, you know, aggressive. And flamboyant and intense. And one of the things that I talk to my clients all the time when I do personal one-on-one coaching and, and really try to tell anybody this mm-hmm. is that don't mistake personality for overachieving. You know, so for instance, I know plenty of people that are very laid back and very gentle, and they're not anything like an Andy or a Jocko or a Gary V. They're right. gentle and they're laid back and they're and they're quiet but they just consistently hit critical tasks that move them toward their goals. And so I think no matter what temperament you are, you can be productive and you can achieve goals and, and, and achieve real satisfaction and happiness in life. You don't have to be this, rah, rah, you know, F-bomb dropping intense, you know, entrepreneur. I, I think I would be sad if I thought anybody thought that, you know, in order to be successful and productive in life or happy, you had to somehow be a type A personality. You don't. There's plenty of type B personalities so there's plenty of laid back, gentle hearts that accomplish a lot in life.
0: Hey guys, just to let you know, my Carnivore Cure book is back in stock. For nine months, it was out of print and used prices were up to $300. Make sure to get your copy today that has over 200 colored tables and graphics and over 400 pages of meaty goodness. We have a limited supply. So get your copy today on amazon.com. And if you can leave a review, I'd be super grateful. Yeah. And I think it goes back to also like knowing your why. So for some Mm -hmm. people, their why might be being a little bit more flamboyant or having the nicer things. And, for some people, it might just be, I want my family to be comfortable, right? And to mm-hmm. be good salt in this world. And that's that's my why. And so it really depends on the why. And I think that's why as much as it's common knowledge, I guess now that with Simon Sinek and stuff, but I think really digging deep into the why of why yeah. is that your why even is so important. And I think it makes so much sense from Absolutely. all the people that you've seen, you know, there's obviously a lot of people that didn't finished 75 hard that you've seen struggle and have reached out to the podcast for questions. What are some common traits that you see that people struggle with, whether it's relationships, money, uh, managing their money and their health?
1: Yeah. You know, I think one of them, it kind of goes back to what you just said about this picture of the overachiever as this really intense type A personality, uh, kind of an alpha. I think people don't realize that there's not like some special person you know, or special personality that you have to have this unique personality or unique, unique temperament to succeed. I think what people need to realize is, and it sounds, Judy, it sounds a little bit cheesy, but literally everybody is capable of extraordinary things. And oh, you just exactly. have to believe yeah. that, that if you act, you will get results. And if you act consistently, you will cultivate the habits and the character that end up producing great things. And so I think maybe people, who who fail, it's it's ultimately a failure of, of belief, belief that they can do it, you know. And and I would say from a position of faith, one one of the things that I like to say is I people say, Do you believe in yourself? No, my answer is I don't believe in myself, but I believe in the power of God working in and through me, and so that's what I think people need to understand is that that God can and does work through anybody. You just have to trust that, that if you take the actions and you step forward in faith and you take risks, you can accomplish things that you never thought you could accomplish. But you have to believe. You know, I think that's the biggest thing, just this, the faith to believe that you can really do extraordinary things. If you, if you actually take action.
0: Yeah. I mean, in my world of things, I suffered from major depression and with my first son, I got really sick. I landed in the mental hospital. Mm -hmm. I had an eating disorder. I was plant-based. There was a bunch of things. And so I started just taking the action. So I went to an eating disorder facility and I did all the actions to get better, but it wasn't perfect. And I think it was eating a cleaner diet, eating a meat focused diet, and then coupling that with my faith. So a lot Mm -hmm. of times throughout my whole journey, I was like, okay, God, later, later. And I finally was like, okay, God, I'm just at rock bottom, like, however you want to use me, whatever you want in my life, like I am done. And Mm -hmm. after that, that faith in something bigger than myself, uh, Mm -hmm. knowing that there is more to life than just me and my riches and leaving a legacy, but really just what is my purpose in helping Mm -hmm. the other humans in this world. And that has driven me so much more to then do my daily actions. And so I believe that if people people have to have some type of faith in something other than themselves, and Absolutely. that is what's super motivating. And mm-hmm. yeah, and that's what it sounds like you are saying. Absolutely, 100%. You know, on this conversation about God or your faith, and then just being successful, a lot of the dichotomy, even me growing up in church and being raised in a Christian family, I always struggled with, if you want to make too much money, then you're almost greedy. Or if Mm -hmm. you are charging too much, then you're not really serving. And there's always been this struggle of, well, I want to be viewed as the person that really cares for the people and that I'm serving the people with my content and being Mm -hmm. genuine and vulnerable. But then there's a side of well, I need to make sure that my family is also fed, but maybe I can only be fed a certain amount because then greed does not equal faith. Can you talk a little bit about how that's not really maybe biblically accurate and it's okay to?
1: Yeah. So it's really funny because when Andy and I started the MFCO project, he just started calling me the pastor of disaster. You know, like I didn't ask him to bring that into it. He started doing that. He liked it. He liked the fact that I used to be a pastor. And what people kind of realized over time was that even though we weren't always explicit, very often the stuff that Andy and I talked about was in the Bible and was, you know, basic Christian morality. And one of the things that that Andy learned early on in his in his entrepreneurial journey is to not chase the money,
0: mm-hmm. but to
1: focus on providing value and solving problems and helping people. And if you maximized your ability to do that, if you became the best there was at helping people in some particular issue, the money took care of itself, right. okay? And, and I would say where I'm at is that if I if I make that concept, if I take that concept and make it explicitly Christian, I would say that no, a Christian shouldn't chase money per se. The Bible has a lot to say about money and contrary to popular belief, it's actually a pretty nuanced, it's not easily summed up. I mean, okay. what is true is that we should not love money over God. And that what is also true is that money is morally neutral. It's what you use it for that makes it good or evil. But that being said, what the emphasis of, of the Bible is, and I think about like Ecclesiastes 9 3, where it says, whatever your hand finds to do, do with all your might, you know, in the Proverbs. There's many, many Proverbs, many verses about integrity and hard work and industriousness and productivity and good stewardship of your resources. You know, in uh, in the New Testament, Paul says, whether then you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. And then it also says, you know, when you work, don't work as under men, work as under God, because it's God you're serving. And the, the passage that really, really sticks out to me in my mind is Jesus' parable of the talents, where people are given certain resources in this story. Jesus says, you know, there's a number of sermon, ser, uh, servants, and they're given re- certain resources, and they're meant to take those resources and grow them, and and to produce dividends off those resources. And what's really really shocking to me is that um, at the end, the guy who just buries his talent doesn't do anything with right. it. What does the master say? He says, "You are lazy and wicked," meaning there's a connection between laziness and wickedness, and there's also a connection between being a good steward of your life, and holiness. And so what I tell everybody uh, is, is listen, don't chase the money. Make it your aim to absolutely become the best human being that God intends you to be. Become who God meant you to be, and you will set the world on fire, is what uh, St. Catherine of Siena said. And my thing is, is that, you know, if you have a mind that God gave you and you have and you have a a will that you consistently choose to do what is right and you have talents that he gave you and you maximize those talents and you have resources in your life and you maximize those resources, there's a pretty good chance that that's going to result in you making money. Simply because that's just the way life works. If you're really good at something, you know, depending on the area of life you go into, obviously an attorney or an entrepreneur is going to make more than a school teacher. But for me, I tell everybody, the emphasis should be on pursuing excellence. Let God take care of how much money you make. But I certainly don't think that as a re- if, you, if as a result of you pursuing excellence, you do generate a lot of wealth, that's not something to be embarrassed about or ashamed of. That's something that God allowed to happen and ordained for a reason. And so the answer is not to be ashamed or embarrassed, but the answer is to say, okay, well, God in his providence has given me wealth. Now, how am I going to use it in a way that glorifies him and, and does good in the world? Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it does. And I know you talk about some of this stuff in your book, your Sacred Drive book. Right. Um, You also talk about the difference, and I think you kind of touched upon it, but you talk about bad ambition versus holy ambition. So maybe um, if you can explain a little bit about that um, and a little bit more about your book.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of different ways I can answer that, but to me, bad ambition is all about what's in it for me. Mm -hmm. I am just after the pursuit of fame, riches the admiration of society, you know, looking good, attractiveness, just so that people worship me. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the analogy would be, you know, the sun is the center of our, of our solar system, that bad ambition, you are the center of the solar system. Right. And I'm not a scientist, by the way. So this, uh, (laughs) this analogy may break down. That would be bad. That would be putting you at the center of everything. And, and that's obviously you know, evil. Okay. There's no other word for it. I think holy ambition says it's not so much about drawing attention to myself as much as reflecting the glory and the greatness of God in my life. So instead of the sun, I'm the moon, the moon reflects the the light of, of the sun. And so for me, what that means practically is that as I pursue to be the best possible human being, I can be As I pursue my God given potential, I'm going to do it in a way that is consistent with what God has said in his word. So, for instance, let me just use an example. People who are driven and ambitious, very often they put in a lot of hours, right? They put a lot of hours, they put in a lot of time. Okay. Well, the person who is just, you know, ambitious for their own sake is going to neglect their family, is going to neglect their marriage, is going to neglect going to church. It's going to be driven, driven, driven for the almighty dollar. And when it comes time to, you know, maybe relax on Sunday or maybe to go to church, they're going to be like, oh, I can't do that. I got to keep working to right. to pursue my goals. Whereas I think holy ambition says, you know what? I put in a hard day's work, but when it comes time to spend time with my family, God has said, honor marriage, honor family. Part of our approach to like a Sunday should be this, is that, For us to rest and to just enjoy ourselves and and enjoy our families, that's an act of faith. That's basically say, okay, Lord, on Sunday, I'm going to not work, trusting that while I'm not working, you are, and that you will reward my faithfulness. You will reward my hard work. But I'm trusting you that I can just, you know, there is a God and I'm not him. So I'm going to relax and I'm going to rest. And I'm going to trust you that you're going to work when I'm not working. So, yeah, I mean, doing doing pursuing your potential according to the the principles laid down in scripture. And I would just say really at the at the end of the day, uh, consist consistently inviting God into your plans and saying, God, I hope you're being honored by this. You know, asking him for help, asking him to correct you when you're wrong and being willing to to be humbled. If if God just decides, you know what, I know you've worked for this business, but I'm going to allow it to tank. You know, I'm a, I, and and I'm going to allow it to fail. And, and if if your business fails or if some massive goal that you had in your life fails, that you don't get angry at God and shake your fist at him and say, oh, I wanted this so badly. Because you know what? If you want any goal more than you want intimacy with God and to be faithful to God, then that's an idol and that's wicked.
0: So when I started my journey as a practitioner online, and so I put out a lot of social media content, and sometimes some of the information, you know, it's like that battle of do I do what's socially accepted? Or do I share what's on what's pressing in my heart? And that's where I think my relationship with God just got ultimately closer, because I started sharing information that even in my community was a little bit controversial. And I would just go to bed with scripture and understand that my heart was in the right place. And that as much as the world was rebuking me or my small community, it was like, it's okay, because I know my heart's right. And then even on the flip side, when people would compliment me like, Oh, you saved my life. And before I didn't know what to do with that compliment. But now yeah. it's like, no, Oh, it's, um, it's, I'm just using the talents I was given. And it's a little bit easier to hear it because I don't, I know it's not about me. And yeah. all of these things have really just humbled me in the way that I serve, like, I don't think it's, yes, I work hard, I work long hours, but I know it's because God's given that to me to then serve so that people Mm -hmm. can get better and heal. And then maybe they can then share with their community and family and heal. And that's how we can make this world a better place. And a big part of, again, that healing for me was just finding my place with God again. And I think for everybody, it'll differ. And it's, it's just really powerful when you have this being by your side it just makes everything else less scary and less, yeah. and it just brings hope. And so I always try to share that no matter what you're going through, if you have a glimmer of hope, and for me, that hope is in God, then nothing is impossible. And it's, and it's so powerful. So thank you for sharing that in your book, you bring up your grandfather and mm-hmm. you share this really heartwarming story that got me kind of teary eyed. Can you share a little bit about that story and about grace? Sure.
1: Sure, absolutely. So the story you're referring to, when I was in fourth grade, my uh, grandfather, Richard Lauder, came to live with us. Well, my grandmother and grandfather came to live with us, but they actually were both from Philadelphia because that's where my parents grew up. But they moved out to Kansas to get closer to us because my grandfather suffered from emphysema, which is a lung disorder or lung disease. And he suffered from that for a couple of reasons. He suffered from that because he smoked his whole life. And then also he worked in a factory. And back then, you know, they didn't have some of the guidelines that we do today. And so as a result, they had to remove one of his lungs. And so I just always remembered my my grandfather and his name, we called him Pop-Up. He's, I always remembered him coughing and hacking a lot. Uh, that was a very vivid memory in my mind. But more so, I just remember him being this gentle, generous, kind warm, loving grandfather. And so he was the best. I mean, I remember he took me to go see Karate Kid in 1983, which is to this day, my, my favorite movie. And well, one, one day he was in our, in our house and he was staying in one of our rooms and my mom came to me and, and she said, Hey, uh, Vaughn, I want you to empty pop ups Porta pot <laughs> And I'm sure most people understand what that is. You know, he was so weak that he couldn't even get out of bed to go to the bathroom. So I had to empty this little porta potty. Right. And it really wasn't that big of a deal. I mean, you emptied this little bucket into the toilet and it was even had some sort of cleaning agent in it. So what didn't smell or anything, but for whatever reason, I just pitched a fit. And I I was like, no, I don't want to do that. That's gross. Why would you ask me to do that? And my mom said, hey, be quiet because pup's going to hear you. And then he's going to feel bad that, you know, he's a burden or he's going to feel like he's a burden. So please be quiet. And I'm like, okay, whatever. So I, I, you know, continued grumbling, but tried to hide it a little bit. So I went and I emptied it. And then when I went to put it back, my grandfather said, uh, Hey, Vaughn, come over here for a second. I said, okay, what do you want, grandfather? And he said, you know, I, I heard the discussion out there with your mom. And immediately I was like, Oh no. And he goes, uh, you know, it's, kind of gross emptying that porta potty isn't it and I said no pop up it's not that bad and all of a sudden I just felt like a total heel I mean just an idiot I'm old enough to remember the old Looney Tunes cartoons where Daffy Duck did something really stupid and they would have Daffy Duck all of a sudden turn into a donkey you know and and (laughs) showing how badly he felt that he was so stupid that's kind of how I felt is all of a sudden I just felt like this total ass you know and I kind of braced for a lecture, I braced for him to correct me because he had been so good to me. And here he had this, this, you know, fourth grade grandson who just, who, who was complaining when he shouldn't have been. And I don't know why I thought that because he was not the lecturing kind of, kind of person, but he said, Hey, come here. He said, I I know that you, uh, I know that, you know, you don't want to do that. And it's really tough and it's gross. And I'm sorry, you have to take care of me. And I said, Oh, pop up. It's okay. So then of course I'm getting, (laughs) I'm getting a little choked up even telling it now, but he said here, And he held out his hand and his, his fist was closed. And I'm like, what are you doing? Pop up. And he said, just put your hand down. So I put my hand under his fist and he slowly opened it. And as he opened it, he said, I just want you to know that, you know, I love having you as a grandson. You're a great, great grandson. And I'm so proud of you. And I want to thank you for serving me. And he lifts his hand up and there's this, you know, crisp, clean $5 bill. And at first I'm looking at like, Oh my gosh it's 1983. Do you know what I can get with the $5? I mean, I was just elated and all of a sudden it hit me and I was just overwhelmed. And I said, I said to myself here, I have been complaining and groaning about serving him. And not only does my pop-up not chew me out, he gives me $5 and tells me I'm a great grandson. And I, I, as, as I say in the book, I grew up a Christian. I read the Bible. I heard countless sermons. I went to seminary, I got 120 credit hours of graduate level theology. Nothing has done more to teach me about what grace means, what God's grace means right. than that experience. And for listeners who, who maybe don't quite understand yet what I'm talking about, the Bible is very clear that that human beings are broken. We're, we we have sin in our lives. We, we have a broken relationship with God. And we've on some level rebelled against him, whether intentionally or unintentionally. We've kind of been like me with my grandfather. We've, we've, you know, complained and groaned. And instead of God saying like, you ought to be ashamed of yourself, he extends us grace. That's what Jesus coming to the earth is all about, is, is he's hanging on the cross and people are nailing him to the cross. And he says, forgive them, Father, they don't know what they're doing. Show them grace, So show them mercy. And uh, just as I, you know, wouldn't have thought twice about not taking that $5 bill. My encouragement to everyone is no matter how messed up your life is, no matter how how much of a train wreck you think you are, accept God's grace. You Take the gift that he gives you in Jesus. And and if you do, your life's going to be transformed. And I think one of the things that's so hard for overachievers and driven people to to understand, you know, we have, we want to try to earn everything. We want to try to say, you know, no, 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 I'm going to set the goal. I'm going to work hard and I'm going to get it. But the Bible is very clear. We we can't earn God's mercy or God's grace or God's love. We have to simply accept it. And once we accept it, our response to that, of course, should be to dedicate ourselves to him, to pursue our God-given potential in a way that it's not just for our own gain, but for the glory of God and good of the world. But you can't you can't earn it. You just got to accept it. And you got to delight in it. And and God's grace is is boy. If we had time, I just tell you. I mean, I it's so funny. I always tell people, you know, because of publicly kind of being known as a as a former pastor and my role. And you know, I think sometimes people are like, oh man, he's a he's a good guy, and you know, he loves Jesus. And but you look at my life. I have made such poor decisions and and had moments of rebellion that might surprise people, and yet God is relentless in loving me and showing me grace. And, and so I, I never get tired of telling people about God's grace.
0: Thank you. That's um, that's powerful. And that story is amazing. And it's just as well written in the book. So you have a group, I think it's called empowered, empowered fellowship. fellowship. Yeah. Right. Um. So who is it for how often do you guys meet? Like, can you tell us a little bit about this group, especially if people just need some more community?
1: Yeah. Thank you for asking. So Empowered Fellowship basically came to be because I wrote the book Sacred Drive and by God's grace, it I mean, it's been selling pretty well. So I've been very happy on that. And the whole point of the, the book is, you know, biblical principles for pursuing your God-given potential. Well, people would write me or DM me and say, Hey, I love the book. What else you got? Is there, <laughs> is there anything I can belong to that kind of, I can join with other people in the pursuit of my God-given potential. And I got to thinking, I was like, yeah, let's do that. And so what I did is I started a virtual community. It's called Empowered Fellowship. And the stated Purpose is is to help Christians pursue excellence in every area of their life, not just for their own gain, but for the glory of God and the good of the world. It's open to anybody, and you know, not to sound like Mr. Salesman here, but it's it's ninety seven dollars a month, and you get a, a number of things. We'll start with the the lowest thing. You, we put we have a, a Facebook group that everybody's part of, and you can connect and build relationships and and network and all that good stuff. Although I'm I'm excited to tell people that we do have plans to have an exclusive community app within the next couple of months. I've got a good friend who's on my team who's an app developer. And so he's working hard on on an exclusive app specifically for our community that will have a lot of really great benefits. But we have a live Zoom call once a month with like an outstanding guest who's a model of both faith and excellence. We have a every year we excuse me every month we have a, a live Q and A call and it's me and and Josh Levin is my co founder of Empowered Fellowship. Josh is the founder and CEO of a of an Inc 500 electric company does really well in Kansas City and he's just a great communicator and a great guy and an awesome Christian. But we also usually bring in an outstanding pastor for our Q- Q&A call. So it's kind of the three of us and we're all having a, a great uh, online discussion. And then there's two other things that I do. I always release once a month I release what I call my Empowered Influencer classes which is basically the long and short of is I learned a ton about building a personal brand, content marketing, All of the stuff that has to do with being an influencer, which I know is a little bit of an overused word, but the whole point is we want, we don't just want people to pursue their God-given potential. We want to help our members elevate their influence for the glory of God and the good Mm -hmm. of the world. So in each one of those classes, once a month, I'll, I'll share something, whether it's about how to be a better writer, better communicator, you know, some of the, some of the keys to building a personal brand that can help you exercise more influence. So we have that. And then the final thing that we do is we'll have a pre-recorded sort of we call it our, our secret podcast. You know, we'll have a, a pre-recorded podcast episode specifically for our members in both video and audio format. And uh that's you know, just addressing some issue of the Christian life or you know, motivation or, or personal development from the perspective of faith, or what we're doing recently is we're we're gonna start to go through a book of the Bible, but but approach it from the standpoint of what can we learn from scripture from this particular book about pursuing excellence in every area of our life? So it's been great. I I, I'm a big believer in being totally transparent with people. Uh, Mm -hmm. so we've got about 81 members. It's awesome. And, and I would love for it to grow bigger and, uh, not just for the sake of it going bigger, but I just really believe in what we're doing and I'd love to be used by God to, to just inaugurate a movement of, uh, you know, Christians committed to excellence. So if people want to sign up, they can go to joinempoweredfellowship.com. And we also have a, if you just kind of want to learn a little bit more about us, we've got uh, an Instagram account. I think it's empowered fellowship USA. I should point out that there are two Instagram uh, accounts. One that's called empowered fellowship. Unfortunately, we didn't get it soon enough. And that's just a small group of people from a church in New Jersey, I think, but that's not us. Ours is empowered fellowship USA.
0: Okay. And I'll put all of that in the show notes. I know you also do. I I don't know if you guys are still doing it, but you guys have a book series, right? You and Andy on the dogs, um, Otis and yeah, yeah. My yeah, my Otis boys have two of the books. Yeah. Can you talk yeah, a little so bit Otis about that, Charlie? um,
1: oh, yeah, Charlie. It goes back to I think it was 2015, and we were talking about you know how can we really positively influence the world, and Andy all of a sudden says, "I got it. This is genius." <laughs> I said, what's that? And he said, well, you know, a lot of times by the time people are adults, it's so hard to get them to change their mindset. So we got to get people when they're young. And he said, we got to have a children's book. And so he and I collaborated on, on Otis and Charlie. It's called Otis and Charlie's Hardworking Tales. And it's based on, you know, the real life, Otis and Charlie, Andy loves his bulldogs, okay. right? So every episode or every, I should say every uh, book is a different life lesson. So like the very first one, the life lesson is hard work makes you happy. Mm-hmm. And then there's another lesson on, on dreaming big dreams, but then working hard to achieve your dreams. There's a life lesson on positive self-talk. You know, we, we cover a lot of stuff. Uh, my personal favorite is actually Otis, the bulldog learns karate because <laughs> <laughs> because for anybody who really really thinks about the plot, it's completely modeled after karate Kid the, the original karate Kid movie and but it the the lesson of that of that book is is to learn to be truly polite with people and that you're going to get ahead in life more if you're polite rather than being aggressive and mean. So they've been very successful and and Andy has often said and I agree with him that in some ways that's the most satisfying project that he's been involved in
0: As we're closing, you know, what are some takeaways that you would recommend for people? Maybe they're stuck. Maybe they are really trying to get a business off the floor or just trying to do something that's a greater purpose than their nine to five job. What are some recommendations that you would leave them with?
1: The thing that I just feel like I I, I tell people again and again, and it's just my heart to tell people is just to take a risk and to step out. And, you know, I have a friend, he's a monk (laughs) and, uh, A lot of times he'll talk to young kids in particular, but, but, you know, people of all ages and they have these big dreams. And what's interesting is since they're coming from a standpoint of faith, they obsess about God's will. So they're like, well, I don't know if this is God's will. You know, what I really want to do, you know, like what I really want to do is leave my accounting job and start a pizzeria. I don't know. That was a really bad example, but, but I just want to do something radically different. And I'm so worried. Is, is, is that something God wants me to do? Or what if I do this and it, and it, and it fails, right. you know? And one of the things that this monk, uh, Father Marion, always says to people is he says, listen, there's a great quote by St. Augustine, which I love this quote too. It's love God and do as you please. In other words, the main goal in life is to is to grow close in a loving, intimate relationship with God. And once you do that and, and get that, you know, if, if that's the main goal of your life, than any other desire you have, do it. Don't don't sit around. As long as it's not like you know hurting people right. or, or it's or somehow contrary to morality, uh, just do it. And you you know don't obsess about it. Just do it. And he says, Father Marion has this phrase. He says he says sometimes God wants wants us to sw- swing at a wild pitch. Sometimes God just wants us to swing at a wild pitch, you know, just get up to the bat and just swing, you know, and that trust that when you swing, that God's going to help you connect and you're going to get a home run, or you might just get a a single or a double or whatever. But that's what I really feel like people just live in fear Mm -hmm. all the time. And I think we are told again and again, Jesus says this again and again, you have not because you ask not. Ask God, invite Him into your plans, trust Him, step out in faith, and do it. You know, there's that that famous verse in in the Bible, uh, Romans eight twenty eight. All things work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to His purpose. And there's an old Southern Baptist preacher many years ago has been dead for you know probably fifty years. His name is Vance Havner. He was hilarious, and he said Romans eight twenty eight doesn't say we understand how all things work together. See, he says. It says, we know, he said, so get past understanding and get on to knowing. He says, I don't understand how a black cow eats green grass and gives white milk, but I still like ice cream. And I, <laughs> and so it's just a funny way of saying, like, you don't have to understand how God's going to work in your life. You don't have to understand every specific detail of, of the plan that you have. Just start moving, just act, just ju- step out in faith and take a risk. And, and just believe that even if you, you know, you just, you step out and do something and it doesn't work out the way you want it to, God can still write straight with our crooked lines. I mean, he just can. And, and that would be, I think my biggest thing to tell people is that we don't dare enough. We don't, we don't set our hearts high enough and trust God that we can really follow our dreams and achieve them. I almost feel guilty saying it like that because it sounds so cheesy, but really, especially from my, my perspective of, of my faith in God, no matter what happens, it's going to be a win-win. Yeah. Either you're going to set a great goal and you're and God's going to say, yes, I like that goal. Go for it. Or you're going to set a great goal and he's going to say, no, that's not what I have for you. And what you're going to find out is that what he had for you, even if it's not pleasant at first, even if it involves a little pain and suffering and, and struggle, ultimately it's going to be the best thing. So whenever you're dealing heart to heart with God, it's always a win-win. So I just encourage people to step out, take risks, swing at a wild pitch.
0: Thank you. Where can people find you? And um, you mentioned your community already, but where can people find you? Are you on social media?
1: Yeah, so uh Vaughn Kohler is just my von Kohler.com is just my main hub. I I'd, I have a Twitter account that's at Von Kohler, but I never do Twitter. I'm mostly active on Instagram. This is just at Von Kohler, V-A U-G-H-N-K-O-H-L-A-R. And then I also have a coaching site that's specifically dedicated to telling people about my my faith-based one-on-one coaching. And um, that's vonkohlercoaching.com. And I would just say that, you know, currently I have 11 wonderful clients and I'm going to expand to probably 15 or 16. I think I can swing that. In fact, I know I can, and I want to do that. And so if people are interested in in, uh, signing up, uh, I've got currently, I've got as of the time that we're recording this, uh, I've got five or six slots open and I would encourage them to apply.
0: Okay. I will put all the information again in the show notes. And again, thank you for all the content, inspiration, motivation, just making things have hope in this world. And so uh, truly, thank you so much for all the work and service you have provided the communities.
1: Well, thanks, Judy. And I just want to say again, you know, before we got on here, I was looking through your your, your YouTube and your videos and all this stuff, and you got great content. And I'm just honored that you asked me to be on your show. Well, so
0: thank you. Thank you. Thanks for checking out this episode. Please make sure to follow Vaughn and find his book and his children's books. My kids absolutely love the series Otis and Charlie, and I read Sacred Drive often, so it is a powerful book that helps me to just stay grounded. If anything, I hope that this conversation helps you to understand that having hope and that knowing that some days that things will be hard, but just fighting through it and doing the actions the day-to-day to just keep going. And sometimes that's all we need on days that it's hard and eventually the sun will come shining again. If you guys find this content helpful, please make sure to subscribe and follow and just thank you again for your support. All right, guys, you know the drill. Make sure to eat a lot of meat. Take care of your bodies because it is the only place you have to live. I will talk to you guys later. Bye, guys.